Hello and welcome to Catholic in America Quarantine Edition. Um, we are shooting right now. I'm, I'm coming to you from our studio here um, at St. Dominic Media Production Center in Panama City, our, our, our partially reconstructed studio. This is actually our first uh, episode of Catholic in America since Hurricane Michael way back in 2018. Um, our actual set for Catholic in America is not finished, so we're, we're borrowing the May for Glory set right now. But we are so blessed today to be joined in these, uh, in, in these times of coronavirus and, and self-quarantining and social distancing uh, by the Bishop of the Diocese of Pensacola, Tallahassee, my bishop, my boss, um, Bishop Bill Walks. So bishop, thanks so much for being here with us. Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me. So uh, during these times, first and foremost, how are you doing as, as the bishop of this diocese? Rated the number one diocese in the entire world for the fifth year in a row, which is pretty amazing. Nice. Absolutely. Um, thank you for asking, really. Um, it, you know, just like everybody else, of course, um, I'm anxious about the world situation, worried, maybe even a little fearful and everything. I'm human. Um, and on top of that, I, I, I feel a lot of the angst and the concerns from the people in the diocese as well. And so um, I have to just, uh, we'll get into this perhaps in a little bit, but I have to take care of myself, just like we all do. I need to, uh, you know, rest and make sure I'm eating well and sleeping well. But uh, it's been very stressful. I haven't taken a day off uh, in, in a couple of weeks. And um, um, so I'm just a little, little uh, on edge, I suppose, if you will. And uh, I'm in need, like everyone else, just to step back and to center myself and pray and to ask God to help me. Absolutely. We just experienced something kind of unprecedented in the church, along with a, a lot of un, other unprecedented events of uh, a special Uri at Orbi message. Um, it's happened at other times. It happens on Christmas and Easter on the day when a pope is elected. Um, but uh, so Pope Francis just gave us that, that message and that special blessing today for us all, all the entire world that prays in union with him um, for an end to this coronavirus. So what, what were your thoughts as, as, as you participated in that earlier today? Like you said, it was extraordinary. I mean, just it wasn't national TV, but I know that a lot of uh, a lot of the national news stories uh, covered that. Uh, agencies covered that. Of course, it was covered extensively by Catholic agencies. But here we are seeing the Pope live. It was so amazing to see. He was the only person, along with a few attendants, basically in the St. Peter's Square and then going into the atrium of the Basilica and into the Basilica. Very, very moving, very poignant to see him amble up those steps kind of haltingly. You know, he, he limps and everything. He himself is, is not of the best health. Um, but then to talk to us, to, to preach to us, to remind us that like the apostles in Jesus' time, we are all in the same boat. And just like them, we're fearful because the waves are crashing over the boat. And we say, Lord, do you not know? Can you not help us? Are you not with us? And he says, just like he said to them, be not afraid. I am with you. Yeah, he, he quotes from Mark 4. Uh, that was kind of the gospel passage that, that was, was shared where Jesus is in the boat and uh, the storm is overwhelming them. They're terrified, his disciples, and Jesus is sleeping in the boat. And I thought it was an interesting point that Jesus is sleeping in the part of the boat that, that dips first. In a sense, he's in the lowest part of the boat, the, the, the part that is most affected um, by, by the storm. So, so his, his reflections, reflections on that gospel passage, what, what aspect of that stuck out to you? Like you said, that part, I had never heard of that before, um, that uh, that he is not only in the worst part of the, the boat in a, a time like that, but he's asleep. It's the only time in all the Gospels that it mentions Jesus was sleeping, sleeping, resting in the Lord, trusting completely in the Lord. But what another thing that really got my attention was um, the Pope said, you know, of course, the disciples said, Lord, do you not care? We are we are sinking. And then the Pope really tied it into us. And he said, we we say the same thing to God. I'm afraid. 
I, I lack faith. You know, he just named it. And I love that he did that. He spoke on behalf of all of us, you know, even the Pope and all of us, we have great faith, strong faith, but we're fearful and we lack perfect faith. We need God. That was his overall message. Of course, we need God. We need our faith. We need to know that God is with us. We need the sacramentals praying before an icon of Mary, as he did praying before the miraculous crucifix, praying, especially before the blessed sacrament in the Eucharist. We need God. And God tells us, I am with you. Absolutely. Uh, one of the things that he pointed to was, was the centrality of the cross that always leads towards the resurrection. You know, you know, that, that, that phrase that we are an Easter people, but always by way of the cross and, and that as, as our anchor, as our rudder and as, and as our hope. So you who, who come from the congregation of the Holy Cross um, and people who are experiencing the cross in a very acute way right now, as far as physical pain and suffering and isolation and maybe depression and fearfulness, um, how are you encountering the cross in, during this time? Jesus said, you know, there is no resurrection without the cross, basically, you know, come follow me. But he said, take up your cross daily and follow me. We all would love it. It would be great if, if we didn't have crosses and trials and difficulties. And a false sense of religion says, if you believe strong enough, if you're close enough to God, you won't face any difficulties. That is not our faith. Jesus said, in fact, if you follow me, you will be persecuted. You will be made fun of. You may even be put to death. But if you follow me carrying your cross, you will live with me. You will reign with me in heaven. And so we don't shirk that. We don't, we're not embarrassed, as Paul said about the cross, but rather we embrace it. And this is a time in which the whole world can and is embracing this, the cross of this virus and, and whatever comes along with it, including fear and anger and, and anxiety and all these other emotions. But if we embrace them, not alone, but with each other and especially with Jesus, then we know that we will participate in the glory of the resurrection. This is a, a eminently fitting for today. It was recorded or this message was given on a Friday, on every Friday, but especially the Fridays of Lent. We focus on the cross, even hold it up high because we know how it ends. It ends in glory. And, and with that, since we are in Lent right now, we began Lent with Ash Wednesday, having no idea that just a few weeks later, um, we, this is what we'd be facing um, those, those two lines that are used, I'm really struck by them. And actually the Pope did mention them, um, during his message that, um, repent and believe in the gospel or remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. When we receive those ashes on our forehead, are, do those kind of opening lines for Lent, are, do they have a more meaning for us now in, in, with what we're facing? Boy, I think so. Like you said, you know, we began Ash Wednesday with the mark of the cross on our heads, listening to the gospel. I don't know. Uh, certainly no one anticipated we'd be fasting from the Eucharist physically, you know, like that, um, for instance. Um, and yet now that we look back, especially, it's all the more poignant and all the more meaningful. All those readings, including the one um, where Jesus said, when you pray, don't trumpet it. Don't, don't go out into the corners and have everyone see what you're doing. But he said, go to your room, lock your door, and pray to your Heavenly Father in secret. You know, and I always thought, okay, that's a good, I see what he's saying. He's saying, be, you know, go pray privately. Well, now literally, many of us have to be quarantined, isolated, literally locked in our houses, praying to God in secret. Um, maybe we didn't think of that. I'm sure we didn't think of that on Ash Wednesday, but we are now. You know, God, God gives us the strength we need, whether we know it or not, through the word, through the sacraments, through the church, to, to, to encounter and to embrace and to survive uh, these things and overcome, I should say, all of these challenges. I never thought of Jesus' words of uh, going into your room and praying in secret 
as words for a time of quarantine and social distancing. Yeah. <laughs> we, we can definitely take it as that. Sure, sure. You know, so with that, too, just uh, since you are the bishop of, of, like I said, the best diocese in the entire world, Pensacola, Tallahassee, much love to every other diocese. They all ranked second, which is they want to be us. <laughs> um, just what are what are some of the signs of hope that you're seeing um, the response from from uh, the people of God, from your priests, from your religious uh, throughout the diocese? I think, first of all, from all of us, there is a sense of understanding. Um, sure, people are frustrated. They're um, sad. All of us are tremendously sad not to have masses with congregations and some are angry. But generally, for the vast majority of people, I received um, texts and, and emails and calls and uh, personal uh, visits from people who have said, I, I'm not happy about it. I'm sad, but this has to be done. We all have to come together. And so there is a sense of all, us all coming together, even in that, in this difficult thing of, of celebrating mass, watching it live streamed or whatever, you know. Right. Another thing is um, for, I'm really proud of our priests. Um, that sounds paternalistic, but I am. I'm proud of the fact that they are coming together, that they're taking care of, continuing to take care of their parishes in uh, different ways. So many of them who've never, some of them have never done a live stream or a video. Right. Now they're doing masses daily. They're, they're giving reflections. They're reminding people to pay online to help to uh, support the church online with little graphics on the screen and everything. I mean, it's pretty amazing this, how quickly they've learned to do this and adapt. Um, again, and it's not just that, but they're also calling their parishioners. They're visiting them. It's, it's, it's like we're getting back to the heart of who we are as church. And I think that's that's really key, particularly in these challenging times. Um, we as a diocese and, and you as a bishop um, have, have been through challenging times so far. And your brief time so far as, as, as the bishop of our diocese, um, of course, Hurricane Michael in, in 2018, we've had we've had fires and floods and tornadoes and, and, and so many other things just within here, the panhandle of Florida. I know other people have faced uh, various struggles. So yeah. how, maybe for you as a leader, how, how has your leadership had to, had to adapt uh, to these, these changing circumstances that we, as soon as you think you got it under control, something else is coming up? I think what it's helped me, what's helped me the most is um, to rely on the goodness of other people and the help and the support of my brother priests. Mm -hmm. You know, um, uh, I think we have, I, even before I was a bishop, um, just a couple of years ago, I used to think the bishop knew everything, you know, God bless him. It's the grace of his office. He can figure it all out on his own. I'm, we're just going to look to him for direction. Now that I'm, I am a bishop, I see how little I know, but how much I need the support and the advice and the counsel of the, the priests, my lay leadership team here at the pastoral center, um, brothers and sisters in the diocese and in parishes. And, and that's what's really helped me and inspired me as well. I don't have to do this all alone. Someone just said this again today when we're facing difficult issues regarding employment and making cuts and things like that. They said, Bishop, you're not alone. We are with you. You don't have to make this decision alone. You don't even have to announce it alone. We are, we're with you. Just rely on us. Rely on your leaders and your brother priests. And that's really helped me as a, as a leader in this diocese. Praise God for that, 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 that none of us are alone. I think maybe right. we, we can all feel whether a bishop or priest or, or a member of a family, you know, a mother or father or, or an elderly person who maybe is living alone. Uh, the feeling that you are alone, that isolation, particularly in this time, can be so much more acute. And I think that our, our faith really has profound answers for that. As we heard in that gospel in Mark chapter four, um, that Jesus is with us. 
um, even when we're terrified, even when we think that that um, he doesn't care, which I think is a real strong um, thing to cry out to God, but the, the disciples do it and, and Jesus responds to them and, um, and brings peace and, and stillness in the midst of that storm. Right. And not only, of course, is Jesus with us, but we're all in this together. You know, that, that's where this phrase comes from. We're all in this boat together. It comes from that story we heard from the Gospel of Mark with the disciples in the boat. Um, so even if someone is isolated, and many of, of us are, many people are isolated alone in their house. And it's a very um, lonely and isolating time, literally. But even that, even then, um, they should know, they're telling you they do know that they're not alone because they're connecting with other people who are doing the same thing. Um, in Panama City or in Pensacola, Tallahassee, Apalachicola, uh, Chicago, Detroit, uh, Rome, you know, um, Wuhan, you know, everywhere. We, we are in this together where it's not just us having to figure this out and having to survive on our own, even or and especially when we are isolated physically, we should know that we are not alone, that we're in this together. There's a great quote from um, the first letter of Peter that I just thought about, and um, it's where Peter is exhorting his uh, his contemporaries who are undergoing hardships in the form of persecution and death and torture. And he says to them, know this, that your brothers and sisters around the world are undergoing the same sufferings. And he knew that would strengthen them. And it did. And that should strengthen us as well. We're all in this together. And so we will all overcome this together. Absolutely. And particularly we're, I'm not going to say we're more divided as, as a country than other times. This is, this is the time that I know this is the time that I've grown up in, but we definitely feel the divisions. I think in so many acute ways where kind of everything becomes unfortunately politicized. It's always going to, you know, your gain is my loss, you know, for, for different sides of the political spectrum. Um, so even this tragedy, even this, this, uh, this uh, emergency that we're all facing quickly and easily becomes politicized. And you know becomes us versus them. So how, how can we, as followers of Jesus, as, as members of the church, how can we, in our online interactions and our conversations with family members, maybe try try to try to um, to move in a different direction from that that politicizing and and division towards healing, reconciliation, and encouragement. I think there's a couple of things that we can do and must do. One is listen. We, we do a lot of talking. Even when the other person is talking, we're like, uh-huh, yeah, 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 okay. We're waiting to jump in. Right now, we need to listen to each other. We need yeah, to okay. hear people. <laughs> nice. We need to hear people's pain and their their frustrations. That just listen to them, you know. Um, even when I've, I've had people tell me that they're angry because we don't have masses uh, with the congregation right now, um, and or I'll read an email and they're really angry and they say things, uh, uh, you know, Maybe this was a cowardly decision on my part, my worst decision ever, things like that. Um, you know, initially I read it and I think, oh, I'm going to fire something off back to them. But then I think, you know what? They're just, they're hurt. They're frustrated. They're sad. And that's where that's coming from. So instead of judging, oh, I'm going to get them back. I think we just need to listen and be very, very patient with people. The right. other thing I think we need is, sorry, is humility um, to humble ourselves the, uh, Pope Francis actually did this in his message. He, he, he did what all the prophets used to do. And that is when there was a calamity, it wasn't, God, why have you done this to us? Or it's not us, it's those people over there or whatever. Basically, we have to say, Lord, we have sinned against you. We have turned away from you. We have focused on ourselves and our desires. That's not a political statement. That's true. And that's the way we're going to... Um, overcome this. That's the way we're going to grow in faith individually and together. When we can stand before God and say, Lord, we have sinned, come to our aid. 
And um, I, so I think listening to people and having a good, great deal of humility will help us greatly. That brings up so many uh, great points there, Bishop. I'm thinking like, when's the last time that I call a family member when I was upset or did I go online and respond to something and talk about what I've done wrong? Um, usually usually we, we've kind of perfected complaining about what somebody else has done or hasn't done or the way that somebody has done something or the way, way something's been reported. But instead to be, bring it back to me, it's like, wow, I could be doing a much better job of, of reaching out to the people in, in, in my parish that, that I know um, need to be reached out to and encouraged and, and checked up on. Um, or, you know, I, I, you know what, I've been kind of, I've got this money and, and I could be giving that to the local, you know, Catholic charities, the food bank, whatever it is in my area. And I haven't really been intentional about generosity. Um, mm. So, so there, so, so again, allowing this to actually be something that, that changes us, which really is at the heart of the gospel and, and the message that I have sinned and I'm in need of mercy. Right. So turn it back to ourselves. What can I do? Not what did they do wrong or, you know, um, what, what can they do to fix this or whatever, but what can I do to turn back to the Lord, to turn away from my sins, to turn toward my brothers and sisters? What can I do? I think that's, that's well said. If we do that, you know, we'll fight less. So there'll be less, fewer divisions. If we can say it, it's not so much about you and what you did and what you could do, but what I have done and what I want to do moving forward. Absolutely. I, I think, you know, when this is all settled or, or when we get past this or we're in a more stable place, there's going to be plenty of blame to go around. I don't think, I don't think you know, there's, there's going to be tons of mistakes at every level, but, and I, I can't t t spend my time diagnosing them. I think it's just an exor exercise in, in bitterness. But like you said, if instead I allow the words of the gospel, you know, looking at Jesus on the cross and allow that to say, okay, how am I being called to change? I think that's where I'm going to actually grow through this time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well Maybe something else that, that and I know this is, is strange for so many people, particularly since we're a sacramental church, um, that we're incarnational, which means in the flesh. So we receive the sacraments when we receive the Holy Eucharist, um, uh, the body and blood of Jesus at mass. It's not just a symbol. We're actually receiving the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. You're baptized with actual water on, on your actual head. You know that you actually hear the mm -hmm. words of absolution for confession, that now that we're distanced from each other, it can be that much more difficult to connect. Um, so for the domestic church, and when we, we use that phrase, I think it's such, such a beautiful phrase, the home church, which is how, how Christianity started before there were big, magnificent basilicas and cathedrals. People were meeting in homes. Um, we hear about that in the Acts of the Apostles and the Fathers of the Church. Mm -hmm. um, so how can people seek to cultivate or um, their domestic church, make it a place where God is encountered, where, uh, where God is worshiped and adored, maybe in conjunction with the live masses and other things that we have as resources. Right. You, you're right. We, of course, we are sensual, sacramental. We, uh, our faith, especially, we try to connect with all five of the senses, you know. Um, so we have things we can eat, uh, the Eucharist, of course, and drink. We have oil, we have fire and smoke and bells and, you know, to engage all the senses. That's still there. We can still do a lot of these things. You know, I, I'm so heartened to see pictures and see videos of families who have set up altars, you know, with candles, light the candles to do things that we do in church. You know, kids know that and they want to kind of play mass, if you will, right. um, by, by setting a table, setting the altar, you know, and it's not for mass at home, of course, but as they watch it on TV and participate that way. But light the candles, ring the bells, if you'd like, sing a song. Bless yourselves and bless your children right on the forehead. You all have the ability as baptized people to bless one another, mm. especially parents. So do that and touch, you know, each other and do that, you know, 
six feet apart. No, I guess you can. You don't have to be with family. Um, but you know, there's there are things you can do. Of course, you as you read the scriptures together, hold it up. You know, maybe let everyone do what the priest does at mass: kiss the scriptures when you're finished. You know, just it, it engages all of our senses. It reminds us that we're not helpless. That God is here. God is very real, and He's He's in these sacramentals, these signs that we're we're doing with each other. So there are many ways in which we can connect as we, even as we participate through a screen on TV or the internet or our phone. And you mentioned uh, reading the scriptures, and I think this is a great opportunity for us, especially as Catholics, to rediscover um, um, our, our good holy priests and societies, as Monsignor Slade Crawford uh, told to me, is rediscover feasting on the word of God. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes so often the, the liturgy of the word is so central and essential to our worship and, and at mass. Um, but sometimes we can forget about that because of how important the Eucharist is. And without negating, of course, the centrality of the Eucharist as the source and summit of our faith, the word of God and encountering Jesus there. How can people maybe be more intentional about feasting on the word of God as we're spending this time in, in quarantine and, and uh, sometimes uh, social distancing? We are blessed to have uh, all of the readings laid out for us as we do for daily mass. So, and that, that's either, you can find that easily online anywhere. Um, so that's one good thing. You could, you could just look at, look at the, what are the readings selected for the day um, or read through a book of the Bible, any of the 73 books, you know, you, you don't have to start with Genesis, but just as you want, pick a book or, and read that as a family or as an individual or as a couple. And um, what, what I would recommend is, you know, just kind of a, what we call a Lexio Divina or a, a holy way of reading it. And that is to read it for, read it once, have someone read it out loud or read it yourself out loud, then pause and then read it again and then think about it. Let it just, just be in silence for a while. Let God speak to you through the word. Then maybe read it again a third time as you imagine yourself as part of that story Maybe you're the woman at the well. Maybe you're the disciples watching Jesus and the woman talk and have this encounter. Maybe you're the Lord, if you will, just, you know, not to be presumptuous, but speaking the truth to this woman. Mm. Just really, we have to enter into it. It's not just, you know, here's what happened 2000 years ago, blah, blah, blah. But this is, it says in Hebrews, the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any sword. It's speaking to you right now at this very moment in this day, on this day, at this hour. So let it engage you. Pray with it. Spend some time. Ask the Holy Spirit. Enlighten me. The same Holy Spirit who inspired that reading will will inspire your heart to receive that and what you need to hear today. So we have to be much more intentional. You can't just say just read a reading, but engage it, read it, uh, reflect on it. Ask others, what do you hear in this reading? And let it let it speak to you. Beautiful. I think again a great opportunity because um, we can spend so much time um, diving into so many other things. That maybe if, even if not necessarily sinful, definitely aren't aren't leading us closer to God and to one another. And every time you open up uh, the Bible, the Word of God is speaking to you. I think of the readings for this upcoming weekend are all about um, you know overcoming death, you know the right. resurrection basically, and Jesus raises Lazarus too. Um, so in a sense, uh, we we have those those readings as you said laid out for us that speak directly to what we're what we're going through right now to recognize that God is with us. They really do. And I just, sorry, I just love the, um, both Martha and Mary, as they're grieving the death of their brother, Lazarus, they both just basically say to Jesus, Lord, if you were here, this would not have happened. It's so poignant. Sometimes when that's read, especially at funerals, I try not to get choked up, but that's the question that we all have, or not the question, almost the accusation to God. Lord, if you were with us, this wouldn't be happening. And we know in our hearts, when even as we say that, that that's wrong. Of course, God's with us, but we're human. We want to say that just like Mary and Martha did. They, they knew that Jesus 
was Lord. They knew that he had the power, but they were speaking from the depths of their heart. Lord, why? Why did this happen? Where were you? He died two days ago. Why did you delay? I think we need to speak to God in our frustration and sometimes even in our anger, as Job did and others in the Bible. Um, don't be afraid to, to talk to God like that from your heart. God will come to you. He will hear you and he will soothe you and give you what you need. Absolutely. Well, Bishop, um, just incredibly blessed and grateful that you are our bishop and that God has chosen you for this task and that he has anointed you, uh, not with all the answers, uh, as, as you said, but with that wisdom that mm -hmm. comes from God and as a man who loves the Lord and, and, and is close to the cross of Jesus. Um, it, it's a great gift for me and, and for you to take the time to be here as well. So anything just in closing, any thoughts or insights for people that are watching this? I think it's important for people to know that we're praying for each other. And when I was always told, if you say I'm praying for you, or if someone says, please pray for me or my aunt, don't just say, oh yeah, sure. And then forget it. It's something I take very seriously. I hope all of us priests do. I hope we all do. So when I say that, I mean it. I pray for you. I pray for all people in this diocese and in our church and in our world every single night. Um, I humbly ask for your prayers for me. Again, please don't just say, oh yeah, sure. We'll pray for you. But I, I can't tell you what it means to me when I hear families say, you know, every night we pray for you or, or my little girl prays every night. Remember Bishop Bill, please. I need it more than ever. You know, just as Pope Francis bowed his head right after his election, as he was on the, the balcony there that first night, he said, please pray for me. And we all did the whole world. That's how I, I'm just humbly asking you, please pray for me for wisdom and courage in making these decisions and caring for God's people. Excellent. I want to thank you all so much for for uh, for tuning in. Of course, thank you to Bishop Bill for his team over there at the Pastoral Center, um, getting getting us all set up here. And uh, thank you for watching this uh, first episode of Catholic in America since Hurricane Michael. This quarantine Great. episode of Catholic in America. Congratulations! Yeah, praise God for that. As we continue yeah. to rebuild here, I want to thank you for our, our your support of Saint Dominic uh, Media Production Center, our our studio here in Panama City. Um, if you'd like to find out more, you can go to stdominicmedia.com. Uh, you can check us out on our Facebook page. And if you'd like to support us as well financially, um, we greatly appreciate your support and all those who partner with us in sharing the gospel with other people. Know that we're praying with you and for you. And until next time, God bless you. God bless you.